you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi. It's 800 or 801, I think, in the Pew Bibles, but it's the last book of the Old Testament. Thanks for being here this morning. Before we look at this, I just want to ask us to pray together, um, just so we realize it is a privilege for us to gather freely. Um, in Nigeria right now, the persecution amongst Christians is growing, that even to go to church, it's becoming more and more violent all over the country. I mean, some churches in Nigeria, in the bigger cities, you have to go through metal detectors just to walk into the service. So to go to church is a big deal. So we want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, specifically, as we look at this passage um, from Malachi chapter 2. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this chance to gather Taylor Freely, be able to worship you. Lord, just thank you for this church. And God, I pray that you would help us as we look at this passage this morning. Holy Spirit, you would come and speak to us. You would correct areas that need to be corrected and encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lord, I just want to lift up all the brothers and sisters who are in Nigeria who just to go to church is difficult and they suffer persecution. God, I pray you protect them, deliver them, strengthen the church, comfort them. Lord, I pray you be with those here this morning who are just struggling emotionally or spiritually or physically. God, Holy Spirit, I pray you come, comfort them, speak to us through your word, and help us to be willing to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to read all of chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offspring, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that, I, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned from many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, 
to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and do not be faithless. Growing up, we did not have track where I went to school. We um, always loved track and field. We never had it, always wanted it. But when I was in junior high, um, they, there was this opportunity to go to this one-day event where you could run track. And so I trained on my own, and I did the 400 and the 200. Um, that's my big track experience. Nobody told me that they run the 400 and the 200 back-to-back against each other. So I had to do the 200, and then the guy says 400, and I'm just winded. So I was running and running and running. I've always loved track, and for years I used to love going to the, um, and when I was little, go to Plainfield High School and watch their track meets. As the youth pastor going to watch um, track at all the different high schools. One of the things I enjoyed watching was the high jump. I remember watching Caleb Dubik do high jump. I think Olivia Moody um, did high jump. And just fun to watch high jump. The record for the high jump is 8 foot point three for the high jump. It is unbelievable. And the purpose of the high jump is you run and you fly over the top of the bar and you hope to keep raising the bar. That's the whole point. You want to keep raising the bar. And the only way you're going to have success in the high jump is by continuing to raise the bar. And the only way you're going to be able to raise the bar is by staying committed to the details of learning how to do the high jump and not becoming less committed. And by being more faithful in the training and not failing to practice. In Malachi... The prophet is correcting the people. He's telling them in this passage, don't lower the bar. You are lowering the bar. And that's not God's desire for you. God desires that you flourish by practicing faithfulness. And that's what God desires for us. God desires that we flourish. He wanted these people to flourish and keep raising the bar and grow in their faith. It's the same thing that God desires For us at Cornerstone. He wants us to flourish by practicing, though, faithfulness. All through this passage, he says, this is what I want for you. I want to give you blessings. He says, I want to give you life and peace. I want you to turn many from iniquity. I want you to have godly offspring. All of that is flourishing, isn't it? That's what we want. We want to flourish. But they weren't doing it. They kept knocking off the bar. And when you go to high school High jumps and track and field, you see some epic fails. I mean, they're just epic. Uh, if you go YouTube it, there is uh, one that this girl's running. She's all excited about it. The bar's about this high. She runs, she runs, she runs. She jumps. She doesn't move anywhere. She just lands straight on her back. She doesn't move forward at all. There are some epic fails in high jump. And I've seen some. Kids knocking both bars down, crashing all over the place, laying there humiliated, their high school career is over. It's epic. And that's what Malachi is saying to these people. 
to the priests, and to the people. He's saying to them, listen, God desires that you flourish. It's God's desire, Cornerstone, that we flourish. But the only way we'll flourish is by practicing faithfulness. And, but the problem is there is epic fails to these people, to the leaders, and epic fails by the people. Faithlessness leads to failure. And he is going to describe in the first nine verses the failures of the leaders. And then from 10 through the end of the chapter, he's going to explain the epic fails of the people. Faithlessness that leads to failure. And this is a big deal. Because we don't have priests today. We, I'm not a priest. Priests were the ones who were supposed to bring the offering and they were the mediator between God and man back in that time. We don't do that because Jesus is the ultimate priest. But he is talking about leadership. And it's very important through a church, if it's not going to be an epic fail, that the leaders are not faithless and the followers or the people are not faithless. But God is ticked off when he talks to the people of Malachi because they are failing because they're living faithlessly, and it starts with the leaders. He says, listen, you priests, in verse 2, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, then I will send a curse upon you. As a matter of fact, since you haven't been doing it, you're not doing it, he's saying to them, I've already cursed you. I've already done this. You're refusing to honor my name. Can you imagine that? This is what the priest was supposed to do. That's all he was supposed to do. This was his job, was to honor God's name. That was it. And they were refusing to do it. It's like getting a job at McDonald's and refusing to sell hamburgers. Just not going to do it. Big Mac, please? No. Uh, cheeseburger? No. That is what, that's what these priests were doing. They, were, they had one job. To honor God's name and be the mediator between the people and God. Epic fail. They weren't doing it. And God said, because you have no reverence for my name, I'm going to curse you. And he says it really graphically. He says, I'm going to rub your face in the dung of the sacrifices. Which... In the Old Testament, when they would do the sacrifices, all of that waste had to be removed. It could not be touched. It was unclean. If it got all over their face, you were disqualified. You couldn't offer. You couldn't do your job. You couldn't be a priest. You couldn't sacrifice. So what God's telling them, listen, because you have no reverence, you're disqualified. I'm going to disqualify you because the priest, they, that was it. The, the, the Levites had one job. They, they all wanted to be in the family business. They all wanted to continue. That was what they were supposed to do, but they were failing in it. And God said, because of your reverence, you have no reverence for me, I'm going to put a curse on you. Listen, for our church, this is how you need to pray for me and for anybody else we bring here to, that we pay and for every elder that ever is an elder or wants to be an elder in this church. We need to not be faithless. We need to reverence God's name. So if you want to be an elder one day in our church or a leader in our church, one of the requirements is that we reverence God's name. These leaders weren't doing it. They, were, they had no reverence for God's name. 
And he says they were unreliable. In verse 8, they were supposed to take sacrifices, offer them to God for the people, and then they were supposed to teach and supposed to instruct people in the way of God. That was their job. That's what they were called to do. And they were unreliable. They had no reverence for God. Then they were unreliable because they weren't even teaching correctly. As they taught, people were stumbling. They were causing people to stumble, it says in verse 8. And it disqualified them. And then it says that they were just unrepentant about it. They just didn't care. They had despised his name in verse 9. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. They were absolutely faithless leaders. God said, this is the bar I have set for the Levites. Your job is to be my priest. You're the mediators between me and God. You take the sacrifices. You teach people about me. That's what you are called to do. But you're not doing it. You have no reverence, no awe for my name. You're unreliable. People are not learning how to walk the way they're supposed to walk. They're walking away from me by the way you're teaching them and the way you're instructing them. And you don't even care. You're absolutely unrepentant about it. You think it's okay to be that way. It's faithlessness, and that will always lead to failure. God hates it, and he cursed them. He says, you're disqualified. We're going to put you a little on a shelf over here, and that's it. So if you want to be a leader, you can't walk this way. We have to have a reverence for God. We have to be desire to be reliable and teach people in the way, encourage them, model it. And be repentant, because we're not perfect in it. We will fall, and we will fail. But we repent, and we walk by faith. Faithlessness in the leaders is what he's talking about in the first nine verses. But then, it wasn't just a leadership problem that the nation of Israel had. It was a people problem, too, because the people saw the leaders... They saw the priests, and they knew what was going on. And they said, okay, hey, if it's okay for them, it's okay for us. So we're not going to demand anything about it from our priests. We're not going to demand that they hold to a standard. And so then we're not going to hold to a standard. And Malachi says to them in verse 10, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of God. They weren't doing it either. They just were going along with the flow. They were unreverent. They weren't reverent to God either. They had profaned the covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. He called them. He said, listen, I love you. I, gave my, I, I make a commitment to you. I will follow my commitment. Here are some things I want you to do. They, God will always keep his side of the commitment. They weren't keeping their side of the commitment. They were unreverent. They profaned the covenant. They become unreliable. And Malachi pinpoints a very personal way that they became unreliable. He went right to the heart of all of society, the family unit, ultimately to marriage. He says this, You have become unreliable. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. 
what was going on is these people decided, you know what? Life is hard over here. We're a small little village outside Jerusalem. We barely got our temple back up. It was destroyed. We were exiled. God promised us we'd come back. We rebuilt the temple. Things are supposed to be good. God's supposed to give us his promises. They're working. They're working. And nothing is changing. The temple, the second temple, was not as nice as the first temple. They, they were not becoming prominent like they thought. They felt that God had failed them, that God had abandoned them. And so they just decided, you know what? Since God has abandoned us, We'll just do what we want. But God is a covenant-keeping God. He does not abandon. But they abandoned God. They did it by being, with showing no reverence. And they became very unreliable, and it came up in their families when they started marrying these other women. They started marrying women outside of the nation of Israel, which was against God. You cannot do that. It's a defiling against God, this passage has been preached on marriage. And I'm not going to spend all the time on marriage in this last half of the passage, but I will say this. It's a very serious issue to God. God designed marriage. It was his idea, not man's idea. We don't get to change it, to twist it, and to make it what we want. When a people become faithless to God... It starts showing up in the family unit. And it starts hitting the core of who we are in our marriages and in our country. We're seeing that. That would be one thing if it was just in the country. But it's another thing when it happens amongst the people of God. Brennan Manning said this, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And then in the church and amongst Christians, the people of God, when we become and to show no reverence to the name of God and say, you know what, here's God's standard, I'm not going to try that hard. I'm not really going to try to reach that standard. And you know what? It's okay. And so because I'm not really going to try to reach that standard, I get to choose however I want to live my life. And that shows itself up amongst, in the family and in marriage. And so this, mar- this message is not all about marriage. But let me say this. One thing is absolutely clear from this passage. If you are unmarried, if you are a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus has absolutely no right to be marrying an unsaved individual. God says it's wrong. It is, uh, you're showing yourself unfaithful. You say, well, I've been waiting for a Christian guy. I'm waiting for a Christian guy. I live in a small town. There's not a lot of Christian guys around here. And he's really nice. He's a really nice guy. He looks good. He's, he's kind to me. You know, he talks nice to my parents. So it'll be Okay. God says, no, it's not okay. He was cursing the nation of Israel because they were going out, finding other good-looking girls and other good-looking guys and saying, no, let's just mix. It's okay. God doesn't really care. God says he cares big time. Don't do it. If you have a choice yet still about who to marry, marry a Christian and wait for God. Don't lower the bar. Don't keep lowering the standard. Don't say, you know what? That high jump plan the gods is too hard. I'm just going to practice down here, and I'll get over it. I'll feel good. Don't do it. God says that's wrong. It is becoming unreliable. 
And then he says, you know what the else they were doing? They were just divorcing people because they felt like it. They, they were married to these Israelite women. And they were getting a little older, and they started to see these pagan women. And they said, you know what? Hey, they look pretty good. I'm going to divorce my wife just because I like the hot younger model. And that's what they were doing. And they thought it was going to be okay. The Bible's about real life stuff. And God says, don't do it. He says, if you do that, you are showing yourself unreliable. God hates it. There is legitimate reasons to divorce. They were even doing that in the Old Testament. But what was happening here was not legitimate. They were just following the culture that they lived in. The culture was doing it, so they were going to do it. They needed a new model, so I'll find a new model. And God says, don't do it. Our society and our culture believes that and teaches that. And even young people say, you know what, it'll be okay. You know, maybe they'll get saved later. I'm missionary dating, you know. It it worked for my great-grandma. That's the dumbest reason in the world to date an unsaved guy. Because just because it worked for them doesn't mean it will work for you. And God says, don't do it. So if you have a choice... Show reverence and be reliable. And if you're married, love your wife. And if you're married, love your husband. Even when it's difficult. You don't just get to decide, no, this is too tough. I'm going to walk away. That's being unreliable to the covenant. God takes this very, very serious. And he says that's faithfulness, and that will lead to failure. He actually said it's like violence. And what he says at the end, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Guard your hearts. Guard yourselves in your spirit. You have to to plan to do this because everything in our culture is going to say, just choose and do what you want. It's okay. But you've got to guard against it. And so faithfulness that leads to failure is a group of people, leaders or people, who show no reverence to God, are unreliable when it comes to the standard of God, and say, you know what, I can lower it whenever I feel like it. And are unrepentant when they do. Say, you know what, it's just going to be okay. It's not that big of a deal to God. It is a big deal to God. But what is a faithfulness that leads to flourishing. That's what we want. That's what God desires for us. He wants us to flourish. And then he said, and he gives it to him. He says, listen, if you want to faithfully flourish in your, like I want you to, if you want what I desire for you, then do what Levi did when I made this covenant with him. He said in verse 5, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. When God made the covenant with Levi, the people, the nation, the group of people called Levites. He said, listen, if you want to be faithful and flourish, this is the model. Have a right relationship with me. Work on your relationship with me. Have a, be in right standing with me. And to the people, he said, aren't we all, I, am I not your father? Have a right relationship with your father. Don't keep lowering the bar. Raise the bar. And then he says, be committed to the truth of God's word. That's what he did. In verse 7, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and the people should seek instruction from his mouth. 
The portrait of faithfulness God said is, hey, have, have a right relationship with God and then be committed to the truth of God's word. When you read scripture, you don't say, yeah, I don't really like that, and go to something else. You are committed to the truth of scripture, even the hard things, even the things that you read it, you're like, ooh, that's me. You read it and you say, I'm gonna, God help me to change. And then you progress in your faith. Verse 7. People should seek instruction from them. People should look at your life and say, you know what, that person's growing. We're not talking about perfection here. We are talking about progressively growing. It's the grit of grace where you just are following God. You want to have a right relationship with him. You want to be committed to his word. And it's the struggle of life. But you're saying, you know what, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to listen to his word. I'm going to follow it. Even when it's tough, I'm going to follow it and fail. We've got to be very careful as we do this with people. When you see leadership in our church, it's not perfection we're going for. Because all of us have feet of clay. We will fail. So I don't want to be judged. The elders don't want to be judged. And you don't want to be judged on a snapshot, do you? If I catch you one time, boom. And I poster that up and that's who you are. That's not progressing in our faith. We're not looking at photos that are supposed to be just forever facts. What we're talking about is this progression of faith, the grit of grace, where we say, you know, I'm going to have a right relationship with God. I'm going to be committed to his word. I'm going to progress in my faith, and it's my desire to model it. That kind of faithfulness, your faith will start to flourish. You'll start raising the bar and raising the bar and have huge impact in people's lives. Sounds real good, doesn't it? To do that? Don't you want to really impact some people? It's difficult. It's very difficult to do. And what if you find yourself in the process right now of failing or struggling to be faithful? What do you need? If you're a high jumper and you're out there working and struggling and working and struggling, what you desperately need is a coach. Someone to come along and say, you know what? I see some potential in that person. Someone who can come along to you and say, you know what? I'm going to give you some grace and I'm going to give you some hope. And the good news for us, we are often faithless, aren't we? We are often faithless, even when we desire to be faithful. We need some help. Thankfully, thankfully, there is a true faithful one. In Jesus. Jesus raised the bar for us. This is God's grace on us when we go through struggles. If you're going through a difficulty and you're like, God, just leave me alone. I want to be left alone. Why does it always have to be so hard? I'm just struggling. I just want to be left alone. That's God's grace on you. When you are being troubled by God because of sin or some direction in your life and you're not getting just peace about that and God just keeps troubling you and troubling you, don't ask God to walk away. That's God's grace on you. It's only when God leaves you alone that you should be concerned. These people were absolutely faithless. They had rebelled against God. They were irreverent. They weren't following God. They were unreliable. God could have let them go, couldn't he? 
He could have said, that's it, I'm done with those people. I'm done, but he didn't. He sent Malachi. He sent Malachi to say, hey, wake up. Listen, there is a direction to go. When God stops troubling you, and you can sin, and you can go your own way, and it just doesn't bother you, and God's not bothering you, and you think it's good, that's when you should worry. But if God is troubling you, and you are troubled about the direction you're going, that's God's grace on you. And that's good, and that's because Jesus raised the bar for us. He came along, he said, you know what, I know you can't make it on your own. You can't do it. So I'm going to come down, be born of a baby, be Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm going to live the life you can't live. I'm going to die the death you can't die. I'm going to take all your pain, all your failings, and I'm going to raise the bar for you. I'm going to raise it so high, Satan's going to try to jump over it, and he will not be able to. Satan is going to be an epic fail because of what Jesus did for you. That's God's grace on us. And we need grace, and we need hope. That it is possible to flourish. It's possible to raise the bar because of what Jesus did for us. Someone said, what keeps you is not the sturdiness of your love for Jesus, but the eternal faithfulness of his love for you. What kept the nation of Israel was not their faithfulness, but it was God's covenant-keeping love for them. That said, even when you're unfaithful to me, even when you have epic fails, I still love you. I am still standing. I will still carry you over the bar. That's what God has for you. Isn't that what we want? God desires that you flourish and not fail. So he offers us faithfulness to be the bridge between both. It's a costly bridge, though. It costs God his son to be able to look at us who fail and struggle and say, you know what? I love them anyway. I'm committed to them. I promise myself to them. So I'm going to come in as a baby. I'm going to be born as a baby, give up all my rights to who I am. I'm going to live the life on earth. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit upon. I'm going to take their sin on the cross. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to die for them. And then I'm going to raise again. And if they will respond to me by faith, if they will follow me in faithfulness, I will help them. I will help them walk the way. That's what it says in verse 8. But you have turned aside from the way. There's a way to clear a high jump bar, and there's a way to fail over it. Jesus, in the New Testament, is called the way. He said, follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. But if you do, if you do come to him, and you walk with him faithfully, he desires that you flourish. And he is an unbelievably forgiving, gracious God. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. He just calls us. Do you want to flourish? Don't be faithless. Be faithful. And he calls us to walk humbly in the way.
He's raised the bar for us. So because of Jesus, we can fly over it every time if we will walk humbly in the way. Be faithful, Cornerstone, and not faithless. Let's pray. Nice, everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just ask yourself, am I being faithless right now in my life or am I being faithful? If you're being faithless, God says, listen, I paid the price. Just repent, follow me, and turn. If you're being faithful, praise God for the grace that he's given you in your life. It's all of him. Lord Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for even the things when you are rebuking us in your word. You still give us grace. You still give us hope. Thank you for Jesus Christ coming for us. Lord, help us to make it personal, not just in our heads, but in the practical, mundane things of our life. To our families, to the core of who we are, that we would be faithful and not faithless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.